So is that one of the show tunes that you were sick of listening to as a kid in the car? Or was it so good that it transcend being sick of it in the car? A neither. It, it's not... It was not one of the ones that my parents listened to in the car. It was not one that I got overloaded with. Uh, it's one that I can appreciate on some level and also recognize that it's, it's, it's kind of a silly and dumb one. But I, there, there's something endearing about it to me. So that's why I like it. Okay. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, I know that I, I love the night part, and I kind of, I, I kind of love that 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 it's you know it's it's very much become a, a part of culture. The uh, tell me more, tell me more. That it's it's known. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty well known in culture. So I wonder if so. You and I share something where you're sick of show tunes from the Not- car. From the car, the yeah. thing that you, the thing that grates like a chalkboard to you is these car, these songs you had to listen to, yeah. because you had to hear them when you were being car sick in the back seat of a car. For me, it's pop country from the mid eighties, yeah. American King, Bob Kingsley, and the American Country Countdown, and, and you know that kind of thing. You know, it grates on me. It's yeah, you know, because I think I think it's what we heard when we were getting car sick, stuck in a back seat. It's possible, yeah. Well, I'm I mean, car sick is was the least of my things. It was just. Uh, but I think it's it's there's something about I, well, the environment that gives you that helps that helps that connotation. It, w- it was not the car sickness to me. It was more the boredom. It was okay. that this was a reflection on me just being bored for six hours, and this is what I had to listen to. So it just reminds me of right. being bored. I mean, and I never nothing worse than being bored. Yeah. So I never really got sick sick, but there's this tedium. Mm-hmm. That you feel, yeah, and you know maybe that's the boredom, yeah. But you know it's that tedium which I'm kind of just grouping into car sickness. I wonder if my kids are going to have the same experience, There's, because we're not just listening to terrestrial radio. Oftentimes we're playing this kids Pandora station that they like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look. Unless something magical happens, your kids are going to go through the same direction that other kids have gone through. They're going to idealize their parents, and they're going to find their own interests. They're going to hate their parents, and they're going to come to terms with it. It, Oh, I know that part's going to happen, but this specific thing about the stuff that we hate because we had to listen to it in the backseat of the car. Like, when we grew up, it was... For me, it was what was on the radio. Mm-hmm. We didn't have eight tracks or cassettes or CDs or well, anything in the here, car. Here's what I think, because you know, I, I you know, my, my sister and I commiserate on 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 these things, uh, but we don't have the same uh, feelings about music, even though we listen to the same stuff. And the the music thing is is a very personal thing for me. That wasn't a a, a thing that. Uh, was instilled in my sister in the same way. But that's okay. We're different people. It shouldn't be expected. What we recognize more is the the environment in which we were brought up in, and the sort of the uh, the uh, the ways in which our parents acted that we were not that you know, since we weren't our parents, we we didn't agree with and that you know I'm, I'm thinking of I'm only speaking for myself here 
I went along with a lot of my parents' thinking in terms of uh, like my dad's ideas about politics and things like that for a long time, even after I left them, that influenced me for a long time until until I experienced a world outside of their uh, their influence and uh, and had that challenged. I, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I don't think it's as simple as just what we had to listen to in the car. I think okay. it's more a, an oh, overall sure. experience. I was of, trying to narrow it down. Yeah. Maybe because you and I have a similar experience, I'm casting it upon too yeah. many people. If you're listening to this, and if you can relate to this being stuck in the car on car trips, and something you to this day you can't stand because of what you had to listen to, send us an email, send us a tweet. Just say, yes, I have the car experience. Mm-hmm to add craft beer radio. I would love to kind of see if more people appreciate what we're talking about. I mean, for you and me, it's such the same experience, but with different music, Mm -hmm. it seems universal. Yeah. But like, I don't know if Heather had that experience. I should ask her, you know, so I'm, I'm curious now, but you know, presuming it is universal. My kids don't have to, they're not listening to my music all the time. You know, we have a Pandora station of kids music that I can tolerate, you know, so there's no Barney. There's mm-hmm. It's good kids music and they enjoy it. If they don't like a song, I'll thumbs down it. If I don't like a song, I thumbs down it. You know, so we were able to collaborate on, yeah. able to mediate on music that we can both listen to. Even music, though, you love, at least in my experience, even music, you you, you, you find something, you really love it. Uh, if you listen to it too much, you'll get sick of it. Yeah. So you have to kind of watch yourself because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this song is great. I want to play it again. And this song is great. I want to play it again. And then they're like, okay, <laughs> let me stop playing this song so I play too many times I'm going to get so, sick of it. So, for example, for me, the genre of music that is Matchbox 20 was really mm-hmm. inclined to you know there's like a bunch of bands the clarks here in pittsburgh the weiss war mm-hmm. matchbox 20 the kind of 90s, al- 90s. Uh, late 90s alternative yeah i wouldn't they were light they were rock with a touch of alternative you know but yeah. but like but matchbox 20 got so popular and got so played that like even to this day i can only take a little bit of matchbox mm-hmm. 20 even though the structure of the music yeah well, I remember I, I fell in love with like Green Day, and then I really now I'm I I feel like ugh gross because I just way over listened to it and, and way over kind of praise it at the time. I remember. Yeah, I mean, I, so and, I like Green Day. I don't think I ever other than like um, well, I mean, with, the like, big song from American Idiot, but like the stuff from Dookie, I don't think I have really got maybe Basket Case. I mean, I I, I just listen to that stuff so much. I'm now mm-hmm. kind of sick of it. And and the same thing for you with Matchbox Twenty. I mean, I I, yeah. I have I did not over listen to Maxbox Twenty ish songs, so oh, I'm not like repulsed by them. As a you know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't hurt me to hear them. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, no, not this one again. Um. So yeah, it, it's it again all different people, all different things mm-hmm. that happen. All right. I did want to talk about... Let's see here. What about the black-white lady? Um, the, 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 okay, there was a big news story that happened this week. I just yeah. don't, I don't want to get into it because 
Let's give ourselves a week. People are sick of either sick of hearing about it. I don't have anything to say about this, the Carolina, South Carolina news story. Right? I mean, it's... I have things to say about it, but I'm going to give some time for me to consider. But I'm not going to get into it. So let's talk about the black white lady. Black white lady. What's her name? Uh, Doz- Dozel. Yeah. Rebecca? Or like, yeah, I think so. Something like Rebecca that. Dozel. Um, I think she... I'm hardly an expert. I've only looked into it a tiny bit. I did, like, Google her to see some pictures of her, at, like, at her wedding, where she was very white. Mm-hmm. And as a kid is where she... But her wedding, you know. She she married a black guy, you know, a mixed-raced house. Mm-hmm. You know when you, um, you remember when Madonna went to England and started talking with an English accent? Yes. I went to India for 10 days, and when I was talking to Indians, I started picking up their accent in 10 days. I felt that it was not consciously, but Mm -hmm. just me trying to to better communicate, to better uh, relate to the Indians. I can understand that. So, I mean, you see where I'm going, though? I I think she lives in a mixed-race household. The black community is a big part of her life. She was a president of an NAACP chapter. I think it was the same thing as picking up an accent. I think she's... I mean, she says she relates to herself as being black. Okay, okay, that's fine, but then to claim that... I mean, she she had pictures of black people that she claimed was her actual, her actual father when it wasn't her actual father. Those kind of okay. things. So I didn't see that. Yeah, I I did hear her say that there's no proof that her parents are her parents, <laughs> or something like that. Maybe she feels that she has to justify certain things to to the press or to this to this feeding frenzy. I don't want to go that far. I don't have any. I mean, so, but like my point previously was she felt of herself as being black, you know, it's just like me picking up the Indian accent in 10 days in India. Okay. The reason why I I think it's somewhat similar, but not exactly like that is because this is coming from a point of, this is what we talk about when we say sort of check your privilege. That she could just sort of tan herself and frizz up her hair and call herself black kind of speaks to... I mean, black people can't disguise themselves with white and get the kind of white privilege that we see, but she could disguise herself as mm-hmm. black and and just get into that community. It, it, it's sort of like... It, 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 I, I guess. It, I mean, feel, it, it feels like a violation in that sense. But if she really relates with the black community... Sure, and and then we have the issue of like what about transgender people who relate to the uh, the opposite to to how we're treating the opposite sex in terms of how okay. they want to operate, and we don't have a problem with that, but we do have a problem with somebody saying that she's transracial. black and she's white. Okay. So you can be transgender but not transracial. And and I think the problem is approaching it from the privilege perspective, from the idea of. You can't, I mean, you just go... She can opt out of being black yeah. anytime she wants yes. to be. Yes, But she hasn't. She hasn't opted out of being black. Well, it's... It's not that she hasn't. It's more that... 
it's more the audacity of, of doing it that kind of strikes people. I, I've, I'm very confused about what to think about this, to, to be completely honest. But I understand both sort of perspectives. What if she was like like one sixteenth black and did this? I don't. I, I I don't value that as an idea. One sixteenth of well, something. We're all one sixteenth of something. But I mean. I, like I said, I haven't done. Serious, there's no pure. I haven't done serious research, white. but there's like no black people in her lineage. I mean, there are, but they go back further than other people. Then, well, they go back, you know, thousand years. Yeah, right. What if there was a black person in her history in the last two hundred years, and she wanted to identify as black? Doesn't matter. Same I, difference. I I don't. Well, it it. it it more depends, I think. What on, if her grandpa was black? Well, okay. Here's here's the issue. I think because I. I what if I she was a quarter black? What if her grandpa was black? How did she grow up? Black. That plays more of a role than how she is treated now, right? What are the circumstances in what? Did she have a lot of privilege when she was growing up that gave her more opportunity than other people who were stuck in an area of low opportunity simply because of their race? She had a lot of opportunity simply because of her race. She chose to be in this situation. And that's okay. I mean, that's like saying that Jeb Bush couldn't be governor of Florida because he grew up in Texas. And No, Maine that's because... not at all like what I'm saying. Not at all. Where did they grow up? What did they... No, it's not where did they grow up. It's it's under what circumstances they grew up. And do we continue to give somebody who grew up in astonishing privileges compared to the rest of, of the, the people that she's aligning with? Do we, do we give her the same benefit of the doubt that we give to people who did not grow up with the same type of privilege? I don't necessarily think that we can do that. Um... I I think it's a it's a more complicated issue than you know it's not a black and white issue but it but it is an issue where if you grow up in a privileged situation and you then put yourself into an unprivileged situation if you don't acknowledge that yeah I grew up privileged but now I want to be in this way if you simply tell everybody that so okay so I, I'm I'm trying to appreciate what you're saying and maybe what I'm getting as she took her white privilege to become like super extra privileged black, right? I mean, because like she's the president of the NAACP. She's not, you know, working three jobs, you know, to make ends meet at, at Quickie Mart. She didn't grow up in that environment. And so she shouldn't be. So she, but like switching. So that's not to say that a white person can't be the president of the NAACP, but I'm saying if you're going to be, I would expect that you should be honest about yourself and who you are and how you grew up. Being dishonest hurts the rest of of what you're doing. Okay. See, that so that specific point is where I don't have information, right? She has decided to look blackish, which is fine. But I don't know. I haven't looked into anything other than me hearing so, her a quote saying, it's probably on At Midnight, where she said there's no proof that her parents are her parents. Um, if there's a lot more of that craziness, 
then your point's a lot more valid. Yeah, I to mean, me. but I'm not familiar with that when, other when I when I saw the stuff about her, like you know, claiming that these she had like people parents, she had photos of like black people, you know, clearly uh, black people that she said were her parents and they were not. And it's like, okay, you've you've stepped over a line here. You, you can you can claim yourself to be part of a community, certainly, but you shouldn't lie about what where you came from. You can integrate yourself in the community from any background, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But lying about your... Oh, sure. I, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I wasn't familiar with yeah. this. Okay, so I did. So here's another thing that's sort of similar. Remember the Alex Jones stuff that we were talking about before the show and a little bit during the, the pre-show? And we talked. To, then we talked about the... Um, the... The pills that he's selling, right? Oh, the, right. Yeah, the ridiculous pills. What do you think of that? It's... It's just what conservative talk radio is. It's a show that the audience doesn't believe is a show. Huh? And it's there to make money. Right, but what do you think about... Do you respect him for selling those things because he can? Or do you... I I didn't respect him beforehand because he is doing fiction, playing it off as nonfiction, and his customers don't know that. The reason I ask is... And that's... For me, that's... Alex Jones and Hannity and Limbaugh and it's maybe not fiction is not the right word, but it's a show and they treat it it's a show treating like it's dead serious reality and their audience thinks it's dead serious reality. So I, I but, think- and the Alex Jones thing for me shows even more clearly that it's a show because they're selling these ridiculous shilling these ridiculous pills. But I mean, from you know, I don't see much difference from the business model of conservative talk radio. It's it's sure. I let me put this. I I think Alex Jones is 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 probably an intelligent guy to come up with this sort of scam thing. Um, but I find him a deplorable human being and a charlatan. The reason I ask the question is because. Because I'm thinking back to you had you supported the idea of eternal earthbound pets. And that to me was the same <laughs> shit. It really is the same kind of we're fucking charlatans. But and they're we're not. So, so the, okay, so I hear what you're saying, and you're right. I would try to justify my eternal earthbound pets scam by that I am not cultivating. The audience to then sell this shit to. I'm just selling shit, you know, where Alex Jones is turning people into his consumer. Yes. Yeah, he's actively working on that. Sure. He's actually turning people into consumers where the people that were running Eternal Earthbound Pets weren't. But they were still taking advantage of people, and that was my big problem. They're providing comfort. But so are psychics. Right. No, uh, I, so I, I probably don't have the exact same opinion right now of Eternal Earthbound Pets and whatnot, but I think that Alex Jones is particularly egregious. 
because he's cultivating his consumer. He's creating his consumer. Yeah. And I was watching a, a, a video called the, the Funniest Alex Jones Moments, which is supposed to be stuff that is, um, uh, you know, ha-ha, look at how crazy this guy is. And, and his anger and stuff was the same kind of shit that I'm sh- that I'm pretty sure was going through the mind of the guy who was doing that. Charles starts to like hit the thing, like somebody's got to do it, somebody's got to say it, somebody's got to make the move, and that was the shit. And, and it was like looking at that and being not amused but horrified. I made a tweet. I'll bring it back to a tweet I made, which is. Okay, so we weren't going to talk about this, but... So giving easy access to weapons to people who are convinced they are soon going to be under attack by others is a recipe for unpleasantness. If you convince people that they are under attack and then you give them easy access to weapons, you are asking for problems. Yeah, yeah. So the problem is not the weapons themselves. I get it. I mean, that's the nice thing about yeah. being a, a radio personality is it's very hard to attribute, uh, yeah. you know, just because you make someone paranoid and they go crazy yeah. and kill someone. We all have knives in our house. Of course, we don't you go can't around. Be, you can't yeah. really be convicted of making someone paranoid. On the other hand, there is something... I, I do think there's something different about guns as opposed to other things while i appreciate your idea of hey target shooting is a sport okay yeah i get it but guns are designed for one for for really one thing and one thing only and that's for being able to kill and or wound multiple people very quickly no not people animals multiple creatures very quickly uh, and so, or to kill animals you couldn't otherwise kill, right? Um, that's pretty much the only thing they're designed for. And the other, the other stuff is what can we use these for in addition? And well, we can use them for for practicing our ability to use them. Yeah. Um. It's, I, I, and here's another thing I will say. Until the Constitution is changed, as far as I'm concerned, legally there's nothing we can do about it. So anything I would say about how I want guns to be controlled or whatever, I mean, it would require a major legislation change, which I don't think is going to happen. <sighs> but it does strike me as one of those things where where... It's, I think, similar, and and I'm going to repeat something that I've said before, and and it came from The Daily Show way back when, so I'm not taking it as my own idea or my own concept, but it's not, hey, here's something we can do to stop gun violence right away. Not at all. There's nothing we can do that will stop gun violence instantly. On the other hand, if we take the idea of, like, we, we made some laws to tell bartenders that they couldn't serve drunk people. We made laws to be a little bit more strict about the the 
the the rate at which we would uh, take drunk drivers, those kind of things. And over time, the amount of drunk driving problem, the amount of drunk driving examples, and the amount of people who died from drunk driving incidents has fallen. So, so what I would want to look at is a Freakonomics type thing where, okay, find some data where gun control was enacted. People who wanted to kill people, did they stop killing people or did they find some other way? Did they use a car to kill people Mm -hmm. or something? Okay. So to answer your question, I I will say this. I, I don't have stats in front of me. And what I'm going to explain now is going to be, I want to be very clear about this, anecdotal. And the plural of anecdote is not data. So do not take what I say as gospel. There have been examples of things like people killing or or doing these sort of things with swords and knives. And from what I remember... Deaths are relatively rare, and those, I mean, lots of injuries. Mm-hmm. Some, some of them are kind of right, severe, right. but they're, they're not less, as they're traumatic. Less, less effective. Yeah, they're not as traumatic as as gunshots. At the same time, look, this guy could have used pipe bombs and and pressure cooker bombs and stuff and killed people that way, and would have been very effective at killing people. So, or, or would he have gotten a gun anyway? You know that kind of well. I mean, but let, let me okay. let me finish my point. So it, it's not as if this guy couldn't have come up with a way to kill a bunch of people, uh, and we certainly have seen bombs being used. I mean, look at the whole Boston thing, right? I mean, bombs are effective at, at killing and or maiming a lot of people in the same sense. And do you not need to have guns at all? Boston does very strict gun controls and uh, didn't stop these guys from doing something in a marathon. So. In theory, the guy could have thrown a bunch of pipe bombs, right? But I do think that there, the availability of these weapons and the celebration of them, as well as the combines with the narrative of being under attack the idea that these people could burst into your house at any moment and take over, which is like what is literally being broadcast on these on the things that these people listen to. The idea that they are quite literally under attack at any mm-hmm. moment. This is, this is a, like I said, a recipe for unpleasantness. It, it, it's making the people who are unstable, who who could do these sort of things is sort of giving them a license to do it. it it's or at least giving them metaphorical a license to do it. I think this is a cultural change that needs to happen, not a simple law change. This is something that needs to take time and to 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 affect. But we there there's a course correction that needs to be made, and we need to examine what we are how we are talking to each other because if this continues this guy 
I saw stuff on the. I mean, I, I went to like Drudge and Infowars to see what they were saying about it, and they're like, now people are saying, now some black people are saying we should start a race war, and the thought in my mind was, you guys already started the race war, and you guys fired the first shots. So you guys claiming about other people wanting to start a race war, you're. <laughs> You're, but right, they're they're entertainment. They're pandering to their audience. It's the weaponization of entertainment. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, I, I think you know John Stewart would agree, right? The was it O'Reilly? He's like, why, why, why are you hurting America? Was that O'Reilly he was talking to, or someone else? Uh, yeah, I think it was. No, it was it was Crossfire. Crossfire. That was like, oh yeah, right. Yeah. It was uh, Tucker. Yeah. What's his name? Right, Tucker Carlson. Yeah, and he wasn't even talking to the crazies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, it that I mean that it was such a poignant moment for me, and you know it's this wep- weaponization of entertainment, but it's almost the inner. Containmentization of hostile, hostile, threat, hostile ideals, yeah, or something like that. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a clear thing that 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 is not unnoticed. I mean, everyone talks about how oh, violence is is horrible, and you know, violence is fine in movies, but sex is bad. It, it, it's not a new idea. That violence is being promoted by all types of media, but the the idea that people are using ostensibly entertainment to to affect uh, the problem is the consumer doesn't know it's entertainment. Well, the it's, consumer knows it's entertainment, but no, the, no, no, yeah, the consumer does, but there's there's no. more going on than I've, simply, I've talked with these people. They think that. Texas is going to be attacked by that fucking training thing. I mean, they think it's literal. Right. Well, it, they don't know it's entertainment. They don't know that Alex Jones and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and whoever else are entertaining, like doing this thing to get this army of listeners to sell stuff to. Yeah. They think it's life or death. They think it's the the future of America. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. And and I don't and I, and that's a you know, it's a cultural thing. I don't know how to They don't know it's entertainment. Right. They think it's life or death. Because if you're saturated in it, then of course that's what you're going to see. I mean, like I said, I specifically, I, mean, I, 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 I haven't listened to this shit never, but can you imagine the kind of demon that these listeners think Obama is? I mean, no, I, I seek this out. I've, I've, I've mentioned before, I, I do look at alternative news sources. I do look at news sources that are different than the ones that agree with me. I often will disagree with them. Very, extraordinarily often will disagree with them strongly. Occasionally, very occasionally, I feel they will make an interesting point or something to think about. But opening yourself up to that and giving yourself the uh, giving yourself the uh, the the patience to look at other things besides what is clearly going to be your view is important, and people don't people don't 
people aren't ready for that or they're not they're not utilizing that ability which is available to them first episode of season two of star wars rebels just downloaded i can't wait to watch out with max tomorrow okay the siege of lothal and again, this might be something cool because, like, the Star Wars universe could be really cool if it's something that that is done in an interesting way. And like you said, it is. So um, maybe I'll check it out at some point. But I have a lot of things that uh, are on my list. Right. Yeah. I mean, at some point, like I've watched some of the Clone Wars stuff. It didn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. But Rebels, I think, I think it's probably the best. Ed- I mean, they haven't done a ton of animated stuff, but Rebels definitely said. And so they had their first season. What in the fall or fall? I guess over the winter, and they started the second season. Now you know they're just cram- Disney is cramming everything into the December <laughs> mm-hmm. release of, of Force Awakens. But you know, part of it is because I'm watching with my son. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's that uh, that attachment you get that is more than just the. Entertainment. It's also if, the, if, it, if the plot is a little bit juvenile, you know, it's not going to bug me. That that's probably the main thing yeah, I'm getting. Yeah. Where if you watch it, you might think some of the plot's a little bit juvenile. You're 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 getting something else out of it as opposed to yeah. just yeah, simple story. Okay, so let me go over. Let, let me do a segment that we should probably make a bumper for called Greg explains his tweets to me. <laughs> <laughs> he explains his tweets. Yeah, hold on. I, I do want to make a bumper for that. All right, we'll have to get some electric guitar. Yeah, and some screamy vocals. We're gonna pause right here, and we're gonna do some Greg explains his tweets bumper. No, we're not. No, not now. I mean, we come can do on. it later. Come on. No, I'm not gonna stitch it in if we don't do it now. Yeah, right. I know. Don't don't do it now. We can do uh, it later. We can do it another time. But I'm saying let's 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 make a bumper at some point. But let's not let's not waste time on it now. Oh, I wanna I wanna explain my tweets now. I don't want to wait and to, for you to find it. All you have to do is find like one guitar and real quick. I'm I'm going to right. ask the listeners to come up with that if they would like to. I think I would love to hear what the listeners could come up with. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so insert here. Uh, listener created bumper Greg explains his tweet let me find where to start (laughs) (laughs) see we could have done it I just got stuck on the idea so um, there's this guy I follow uh, you know Santopoulos he's a comedian and he was saying that you know why why are people putting the, the, the the Colorado uh, or not Colorado, the, the South Carolina, you know, guy on TV. Why are we mentioning his name? That's, uh, you know, why are we talking about this right now? And of course, I said to him, there's something fundamental about us, and I'm not sure if it's humans or our culture that cranes its neck at car crashes. We are... I saw that today. Yeah, I didn't know who you were talking to. We though. are interested in things going pear-shaped. Uh, it's... And it's, it's fundamental to our being, I think, in some sense. I I agree that it's gross. I agree that humans are kind of gross and very, and we'll get into that later. Uh, but I also see it happening, and so to to rail against it and tell people not to do it is not going to do anything. 
it's a very human reaction. Uh, so that's sort of why I didn't want to talk about the South Carolina stuff right away because it's like, all right, let let the let the very simple instant reactions go away because we're all going to be craning our necks at tragedy. That that always happens. Uh, I did my what killed privacy thing. I already explained that one. Uh, I did the Hollywood remaking things. Okay. Let's talk about biodiversity. Let's talk a little bit about biodiversity. So this was a conversation last night with uh, Greg and with um, with Dave. Uh, Dave is in the UK. Greg is in uh, New Zealand. So it was like a... Uh, one third of the globe, yeah. Trifecta, like <laughs> sun never sets on this combination. Yeah, we're all English speaking, so I mean, you know, it was easier for us to communicate in general. But uh, it w- it was based on the idea that so I started with it was started with, with, with something that uh, that Dave quoted, which was. Um, some guy, Ryan Griffiths. I'm not sure who Ryan Griffiths is. I, I probably do know the guy. Maybe I don't. But this was based off of the Carolina thing, too, right? Sort of. But he said, uh, you know, who me? This is this is the tweet that, that Dave was quoting. Who me? Just hurtling through space on a wet lump of rock while people kill each other over deities they have no evidence support. You? And, you know, I thought, okay, I get it. I kind of was like, just... Eh, my response was, that's silly. Deities are just one of the many, many things people kill each other over. Because, let's face it, it's absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> people kill each other over and drop a hat occasionally. Uh, it doesn't need to be something as as, as entrenched as, as their, you know, their culture. Um Craig asked if it was no less true. Is yeah, it's, it's not less true. It's just simply look. Uh, we are, as far as we can tell, I mentioned. We said as far as I could. This is what I was trying to get to. It's hard to do in Twitter form. As far as we can tell, as far as we've observed, as far as we've uh, figured out about the universe, we are pretty extraordinarily unique things. Uh, and my point was, it's kind of a pity that we are so cruel that we can be so destructive and evil to one another right uh but there's another aspect of that too which i then point out which is that well dave came back and said you know we're kind of the least cruel animal on the planet and my point was yeah i mean that's that's true too and so that's at the same point, it's kind of a pity we're so cruel. It's also kind of really interesting to study it because it's kind of fascinating that we're not cruel. We're so not cruel in some other senses. So it's like they go hand in hand. It, it, it's, and there's actually, I heard a story, I forget the source, but basically uh, like measuring how violent mm-hmm. humanity is over time, you know, like it, it's trending downwards. Like we're less violent now than any time ever. I mean, but that's an issue that you could, you could argue, well, there are more humans now than ever. So even if violence stated at a steady rate or even a steadily increasing rate, as long as the humanity rate increase, then the percentage would go down. Yeah. I'm not sure how it was measured. I don't remember yeah. the source, but 
So that's the whole lies, damn lies, and statistics. You know, make sure you analyze exactly how they're doing their stats because it, it, oh, sure. it, it can be. But I mean, you think back ways. to the Middle Ages, you know, it was no big deal to kill a serf. Or, yeah, yeah, th- th- that's absolutely true. And I mean, just look at Game of Thrones if that was <laughs> Middle Ages, you know. Well, just look at today. <laughs> yeah. It's no big deal that 100,000 people die from a tsunami. Too many people in the world. But that's not homicide. I mean, no, it's not. not it's violence. not homicide. That's, that's not violence. Okay, it's no big deal that there are African warlords going around killing people, or Middle East warlords going around killing yeah. people, or even some European warlords going around killing people, or even some people, some some ridiculous fringe groups in some of the states in the United States going around killing people. If they are sort of off the books, we don't seem to care. Right. Uh, the the mention yeah Dave mentioned the spotted weevil as sort of an example. Hey, we no one else look no other species cares a, a lick about the spotted weevil, and that's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, in, in, unless it's a another creature that relies on the spotted weevil, which, as far as we know, but it doesn't one. even care at yeah. that point. It, yeah, it's not going to know that it needs to start a. a you know, I wouldn't make the assumption that it doesn't know. I would simply make the assumption. It might know that it's harder to find food, yeah. but it's not going to know that, hey, I better start building ecosystems to start right, right. supporting the spotted weevil. Um, and, you know, Greg was like, well, I don't really care about the spotted weevil. It's, it's going to die anyway. And, then, and my point was simply, yeah, probably, but just showing us that it can die... I mean, yeah, we see in the past that things can die, but showing us also that things are dying now and that we are likely the cause of it is an important point. And so, yeah, I was surprised by Greg's kind of tone on this whole conversation. Yeah. He's like, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of everything that's ever lived is dead, extinct, whatever. That's true. Um, I mean, so I kind of chimed in much later. Yeah, when I woke up in the morning, but I mean. For me, it's, you know, we like biodiversity because they make lots of very interesting compounds. And, you know, we, you know, it's kind of advantageous for us not to have the spotted weevil die because the spotted weevil might make the cure for cancer. And I didn't like that because I thought that was you just taking a look at simply how we can use it for utility for economic purposes. And and that's not the point. The point is that it's an extraordinarily complex web of things. And if you change certain things, things are going to change well, in an extraordinary complex web. But if you take something away, then you don't know how that's going to affect the majority. The, 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 oh, again, it was Twitter. Right? It was limited with space. Yeah. And I had to split it across two tweets, even so. But by exploit, sure, I used an inflammatory term, but exploit means a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it could mean the food chain up to something important. It could mean, you know, it could mean a lot of things. But... Sure, I did use inflammatory yeah. Twitter shorthand, and and that's the the issue of Twitter. That I did want to explain this treat when I I responded kind of jokingly. I don't care about the weevil, but I do care about the weevil, which is me sort of say, yeah, this individual species. I'm not convinced that there is necessarily something that, that's you know that's necessary for us to constant to constantly save a particular individual species. I do care about the general idea of species being killed by our activities, and that we do what we can to minimize that, or at least understand how that will affect the larger system to a greater degree than we do right now. 
So I don't care about the weevil, but I do care about the general weevil. <laughs> I care about the generality. Losing too much diversity yes. because it's going to bite. Right. Exactly. Well, it's likely going to bite. I think that the, all our examples show that kind of shit does eventually turn. turn. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not just talking about exploiting for the numerical drug. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the food chain. I'm talking about, you know, but I mean, so I don't know anything about the lesser spotted weevil. I don't know who feeds upon that, mm-hmm. whether that gives two licks about what our food supply is. Weevils are typically bad in, in in eating our food supply, so yeah, that's I mean you know yeah. or a cotton supply or something. But look, uh, shit's going to happen. Shit, things are going to be. Uh, I think things are going to grow and die based on the selective pressures around them, and yeah, that means that some species are going to die, and that's that's just that's not sad or. or or happy, that's just nature. That's the way shit works. That's always been the way shit works. The The question is, are we doing something that is harming a species without there being a, a real reason for us to do it? Or, or, or are we doing something where we are simply influencing an environment to the point where there is not a need for us to influence the environment this way. Like, we are destroying rainforests to put cow to make stuff for cows, and the cows that we are destroying and turning into food are being, you know, fed to, uh, you know, fed to pets, and we can easily, you know, make better, <laughs> better ways of coming up with that protein than, than gigantic cow farms destroying entire, uh, you know, thousands of acres of rainforest. And I think there's something to be said for that. So there is a, there's an in-between mark, I guess. There, there, there's a, there's a rainbow. There is a, uh, a gradation of, of things. And we, we don't want to be on either end. We don't want to save everything. That's silly. We don't want to kill everything. That's silly. Sure. Yep. Lastly, I did want to talk about the Bilderberg Group. Okay. Uh, another one of those crazy things. Uh, what is the Bilderberg Group? Okay, I don't know for sure, but... I watched a, a conspiracy theory show on them once on the History Channel. Here's my interpretation of what the Bilderberg Group is. It's a country club for rich people. And people with influence on money. They discuss trends, how to stay rich, and there's probably a little bit of, hey, how can we make a difference? It's not a cabal. It's a fucking country club. That's not as exciting as the... No, it's not. But it's more than likely the truth. That's boring. Boo. (laughs) I don't want it to be true. It's too boring. This is the shit that 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 uh, that you get when you when you look into what how things actually are. Some things aren't nearly as exciting as you would want them to be. Max, uh, so last night Allison stayed over Grandma's house. So this morning Max wanted to play some games. We played uh, 
played Pandemic as one of the games. The other game. I was going to say the other games, but really they're not not really consequential to the story. Played Pandemic last night, I can tell you. We, about it. we kicked Pandemic's ass today. Kicked its ass. Played a, a five game ver- a five. Okay. You know, so so the normal version of Pandemic with with uh, me, Nick, and another and and, and uh, one of Nick's friends, and we thought we were killing it. We had three diseases cured. We had the fourth one ready to go, and all that was left was one disease, and then we got two epidemics in a row and there were diseases of this black guy all around and and there were only three cards in the file they were all those and just we were like we had it planned we we, we had our moves exactly this this is going to be done and boom we immediately just let, ran out of black pieces just like that and so suddenly we were dead it was just it, it was it was one of those things where it's like you, you were there you were just there you had it in your grasp yeah. I mean, we were still playing easy, just four cards. Yeah, and um, I was the operation specialist, which means I can reuse the special cards. Mm-hmm. And Max was the quarantine specialist, and we were able to eradicate blue without curing it because it wasn't. It was only like in three cities, mm-hmm. and one came back while we were working on it, but we were still able to eradicate it. And, and you can't eradicate without curing it. No, you can't. No. I read the directions to make sure I was doing it right. If you get rid of all the blue, then it's eradicated. No. Okay, well, maybe I was wrong. We'll go check the directions after the show. I I, I saw it in there. But, no, but. you have to cure the disease. Once you can cure it, then you can eradicate it, and then it never shows up. But if it comes up again, it'll still pop up again. I misread. I mean, I, I, I'm like, that sounds too easy. Let me check. And I read. And I thought I said, if you wipe it off, it counts as a eradication. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, for, you know, no, no, absolutely not. Okay. All right. I screwed up. I lost. I cheated. 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 I gotta get the book. Show you what I read and you can explain it to me because I don't understand the English very well. Okay. Yeah, you played it wrong. Sucks. Being the operations specialist... uh, Operations? Is that the one? Because, like, Max played, like, Quiet Night. I played Quiet Night, like, the Uh next turn. And then he played, you know... um, yeah, where you remove a card from the pile, and I played remove card from the pile the next turn. Uh-huh. You know, so yeah. it, it works out nice being that person. It, it, it's a. I mean, what we had is we had operations specialist, medic, and uh, I was the the guy who could drop a research station anywhere. Okay, um, and it, it 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 became really easy for us to to travel to each other and trade stuff to cure each other really quickly. So we we thought we were on top of it, like I said, but but there was that one area that we were like, all right, we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that, and we'd actually, I, we had we had cured it, we hadn't eradicated it, it was cured, and we were just going to concentrate on it, we just had the yellow, but the black was still had stuff in there, and then the the other thing that happened was we didn't have an eradic we didn't have an epidemic for a long time so all the epidemics were at the bottom of the pile and we just sort of had one after another and that kind of fucked us over. Did you set up the deck right? Yeah, we set up the deck right, but you shuffle in the epidemics. But there should be 
you played five cards, right? Yeah. So the top fifth of the deck, there has to be one. Oh yeah. The middle of the fifth, or so every so you can have two like in a row, but you can't have three in a row. No, we didn't have three in a row. We had two in a row. At one point. But so I mean, so you could have like. I but, to be honest, but, I did. I did not shuffle up the the deck completely, but it did feel like we. You did. don't shuffle the full deck. You yeah. shuffle five segments, yeah. and then you stack the segments. You're right. You're right. We did. I don't know whether that was necessarily done. So we we could have played. It, it could have been a more. Yeah, if you shuffle the whole deck, you can get really screwed, yeah. or you can get really lucky. Yeah. What you need to do is you set up the four or five or six segments, and then you stack them. Yeah. Because then it spreads out the epidemics, so it's more competitive. You can still have one after another. But you can have two in a row, yeah. for sure. You can't have three in a row. Yeah. No, we, we did get... Uh, and if you're playing six epidemic cards, you could have three in, like, four cards. Yeah. We, we, or we, five cards. We were killed by there being two in a row. That's what ultimately hmm. killed us. Because um, we were getting to that area, and it just... We, we had we had cured it if we had gotten there and would just... Were you able. ran out of... We ran out of disease cubes. Yeah. We ran out of disease cubes. That was the issue. Uh, yuck. Yeah. It's a great game. It is a great game. And we played a game of Small World. Cool. Yeah. So I realized I was... There's a couple things that we've been... Like, all winter we played wrong. I played wrong with Small World. The blank things... I thought were to put in the deck and were blank. Yeah, they're just to, free to make your own. Make well, I thought they were blank to kind of make things more expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, like you wouldn't want this one to move it up. So that was wrong. And then when you conquer a territory, we were initially for the longest time we were losing all the people on you the territory. Only lose one you only lose one. Yeah. yeah. So those are the two rules I was playing wrong. Unless for you're elves, you don't lose any. Right. But those are the two things I played wrong for the longest time. And when I was playing Underworld, I saw in their rules, you only lose one. And I'm like, huh, that's a change. And then I went back, I'm like, oh no. It's always <laughs> been that way. Actually, I like it better where you lose all. Because it turns, it's the, a little races, more dynamic, turns right? the races faster. Yeah. And the game's a little less predictable. When, I don't know, when you're not playing against your own kids, who are six and nine, uh, or six and eight. Well, no, wait. Four and and seven, right? Seven yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing against other adults, um, there's more consideration of strategy, and you do find yourself turning over more often. So I think you should play with uh, with some more adults if you want to, or at least people who are more who aren't getting your help. And in, in <laughs> oh, they don't. I don't give them help in small world. Okay, I give Max a little bit of help. I don't give Ali any help. I've seen you play. Okay. <laughs> Not a long time. That's like right after we got the game. Okay. I've seen you play. All Come right. on. Come on. Be honest. You help. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I do. I'm not familiar. With, I'm not uh, conscious of the fact. Not, not for Ali. Max will do some dumb things every once in a while, so I don't do that. But. Oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, she's... Better than playing Candyland. Yes, that's true. Much better. The nice thing about Pandemic is that you can essentially play a game by yourself. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's, uh... Sorry. 
with my with my feet. You kicked my leg. I'm like, leg I'm, like, I'm like, like way over here. It's like I'm stretching my legs out. Yeah. There are going to be situations where we encounter each mm-hmm. other's legs. It happens. I know. I was fine with it. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for for now. All right, that's all I have. I could go read that pandemic rule to make sure figure out how I misinterpreted. It. Yeah, because I'm 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 at the point where you're probably right because I expected you to be right when I read the rules. I'm like, huh? Okay, well that's good. Let's go with that. <laughs> so, all right. See you, everyone. Thanks for listening.